0: What does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go beyond the scripts. Hey, I'm Will Tuft, and this is the Beyond the Scripts Pharmacy Podcast, and today we have a special guest, Blair Tielemeyer, who's going to help talk through some of those very, very, very familiar challenges for every pharmacy out there, I think. And really, what I wanted to talk to Blair about is that struggle to convey the pharmacist value on both sides of the coin to the patient and to the providers, and really make those connections that are going to move their business forward. So Blair, welcome to the program. And you're from the Pharmapreneur Academy?
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I am, I've am. i been working as an MTM consultant pharmacist for the past six years, and I've seen so much change happen. And I know Pioneer has really been at the forefront of making sure that pharmacists have the the software and everything that they need to be able to operate at the top of our education, the top of our licenses. So clinical services are my jam. So I'm excited to get to talk to you today about, you know, what that looks like in the future.
0: Okay. So you, uh, you threw out a buzzword first line out, first line out of the gate. What is, uh, an MTM consultant? Because I like to think that there's going to be a variety of people that stumble across this podcast from, Uh, Hopefully, you know, some of those rock star pharmacists out there to maybe people who are still in pharmacy school and considering what paths are out there. What does an MTM consultant actually do? That's a great question
1: because I didn't know either until (laughs) I uh, sort of accidentally became one. So after I graduated, I was working as a clinical hospital pharmacist for a small rural hospital here in my, my hometown. And because of budget cuts, you know, hospital reimbursements are are suffering just like everyone else is that's dealing with reimbursements and insurance. And because of budget cuts, they just couldn't afford to keep me on as a full-time employee any longer. So there were just two full-time pharmacists, myself and the director that had been there for like 17 years at the time. And so they had to, they had to cut all my benefits and cut me back to PRN. Unfortunately, this was April 2014, and I was six months pregnant with my daughter, Avon. So that was (laughs) really one of those moments that I was like, what am I going to do? This is not a great time to be out looking for another job. You know, six months pregnant, I was planning on taking a three-month maternity leave. Just completely turned my world upside down. Sure. And luckily for me... um, I had been working for some independent owners and, you know, they were, they were good friends of mine and they, whenever I had texted them and just told them what happened, they were like, we will give you all the hours that, that you need to get you through, you know, your, the rest of your pregnancy and delivery and maternity leave. So, um, so blessed and my heart has really always been in independent community pharmacy but that you know the way that they just really supported me and helped me through that time was it, it really it was amazing to to be able to give me that space and then after I had my daughter and was kind of you know ready to like figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. They were like, "Hey Blair, you know, you are a clinical hospital pharmacist. Now we've got you working in independent and we've got this this thing called an MTM program that we're going to have to start doing. They're going to be looking at adherence and our star ratings and we're going to get graded on whether or not we're, you know, completing these services. And I, like many other pharmacists, had never even done an MTM before, and it was so scary to me to think about well, I'm going to charge an insurance for a clinical service, and that was like a whole new a whole new experience for me that at the time i was I was really kind of concerned about because I had never I had never charged or I had never sat with a patient and been able to work through a comprehensive medication review. But after I did, um, I had a mentor walk me through my first couple of cases and kind of show me the ropes. And after I did, I just absolutely fell in love with it. I thought, this is what I want to do. This is what independent community pharmacy should be all about. It should be all about helping the patient, you know, working with them one-on-one Like those first few patients that I worked with, I just really got to know them on such a, you know, more deep level, even though they had been patients of ours for, you know, been working for a year, but really hearing about their struggles, it was, you know, it it was the turning point for me. And I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but this is what I want to do. I want to do more of this. So I started reaching out to some other independents in Northeast Arkansas and Southeast Missouri, some licensed in Arkansas and Missouri, and started reaching out and just asking owners, hey, do you need help with your MTM services? And some of them said, you know, we don't even do MTM. Sure, you can, you know, help us get set up.
0: At at that same time period, I was an installer and I was going to pharmacies and there were these new buzzwords that were, you know, not necessarily something most pharmacies were, were thinking about at the moment when they're like a uh, five-star, okay, you know, um, outcomes, I guess I need to sign up for that. Um, so, yeah, I could definitely see where those early adapters are those, um, you know, hey, let's get out there and, and, and share that experience because it's it's a big shift.
1: Yes, absolutely. And and they were, you know, they were just like me. They were like, oh, well, I don't know if I can do clinical services. I don't know if I have time. Don't know how it fits in the workflow. Like, these are all things that we had to figure out really the hard way. But, you know, now fast forward, what, six or seven years, and with the COVID pandemic, we're seeing clinical services, point of care testing services, immunization services. I mean, people across the country are doing these vaccine pods, immunizing three, 400 people, you know, in a weekend. And like this, I think, has been, you know, such a great opportunity for pharmacists to really flex their clinical muscles and show how we can make an impact on the the greater community population health.
0: Yeah, it's been... Uh, you know it seems like this comes up in every every conversation not just every podcast but like it's hard not to talk about um because it is such a a big elephant in the room but it's been neat to see that silver lining of how pharmacists could step up and really be noticed for their role and and how they can affect healthcare and those you know those big big differences they can make in their community and to see so many of those pharmacists out there like Figuring it out, because it's kind of been the Wild West with this COVID uh, immunization process from, you know, day one, really. But it's been neat to see the pharmacists who are out on that, that front line to secure, you know, that super cold storage and, uh, you know, get signed up with the, the correct agencies to be able to get the immunization. And then docu- it's, it's been wild.
1: Yeah. And even, you know, I remember last year at the beginning of the pandemic, my husband and I were in Cairo, Egypt when the pandemic broke out. And we were, so I was speaking at the Arab International Pharmacy Conference in Cairo. We flew down to Luxor. We did the Valley of the Kings, like just, you know, was enjoying Egypt. But Um, At that time, this was like March 6th around then in 2020, and the only channel on TV that was in English was the BBC. So we had been watching the BBC, and Italy was shutting down.
0: Oh, gosh, yeah.
1: The only places that were open was pharmacies and grocery stores was pretty much it, And we were starting to get nervous. Like, are we going to get stuck in Egypt with, you know, I was pregnant again with our third child and our other two kids were at home with my mom and my husband's mom. And uh, we were, you know, we were really thinking what, what's going to happen. But I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, just being so proud that, um, you know, that pharmacies were really being recognized as, such an essential part of daily life that even during the the beginning of the pandemic, when everything was shut down, pharmacists were still there to hold the front lines. And, you know, that's something that I'm going to continue to tell that story for the rest of my life until pharmacists get the recognition and get the provider status that they deserve.
0: Yeah. So, going going back towards the mtm area it really seems like that was like a like a shift in thinking of somebody outside the pharmacy walls recognizing hey here's where all the the savings are this is where the prevention lies this is where the boots meet the ground and we need to incentivize this we need to you know use this tool better and so, you know, when, when you first see these other entities, like that's that's got to be really encouraging for the the profession to be like, yes, we told you, <laughs> you know, like we, we've been trained on this. This is what we're passionate about. This is what we've been doing for years and so not getting paid for. Um, so it's been neat to see that grow into like the documentation that we have now where we have new f- – Uh, new standards coming out for, you know, e-care plans where it's really quantifying that scope of work. So like, how do you, how do you see that, that ability to quantify your efforts and, and document like what you've done and how it's had those positive effects? Like, where do you see that uh, kind of pushing pharmacists to in the next, I don't know, five years or two years?
1: Yeah. So I have, there's three predictions that that I have for the next 10 years or so. One is that really pharmacists are going to come out on the forefront of preventative services. You know, I see functional medicine, integrative medicine, this shift from, you know, being 100% reliant on modern medicine for our preventative services to this holistic, um, you know, that, that's that been on the fringe, you know, the acupuncture and the nutrition and so, some of the stuff that we've seen in Eastern medicine for a long time. So I'm actually working on my master's in Ayurvedic medicine right now, because I see there's so much opportunity that that we can remove some of the obstacles and help our bodies heal themselves.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So that's my first prediction is really around pharmacists becoming um, the go-to source for preventative health. The second would be less reliance on dispensing for revenue. So with the, you know, shifting to the clinical services, the e-care plans, these opportunities for billing in other ways, I think that our business model will become more diversified which I see is a good thing. And then the third uh, big shift that I see happening in the next 10 years is pharmacists being embedded in ambulatory care clinics. So working with doctors, just like, you know, my mom's a nurse practitioner. So I remember this was probably almost 20 years ago now, and she was going through her master's program and she cannot type on a computer at all so i was in high school typing up her master's program notes and all of her essays because she would just write them on her you know notebook paper and then she would like make me type them up for her cuz i could type so much faster than her and so you know 20 years ago no one had heard of a nurse practitioner in a physician's office no one had heard of a physician's assistant The next 10 years, my hope is that, and and I do think that it will happen because I talk to physicians and clinics all the time who are asking me, you know, where do I find these clinical pharmacists that can help us with our quality metrics? We had kind of touched on adherence and star ratings. When you start digging into the quality metrics that the physician's office has to meet CMS passed new legislation in 2017 called MACRA. And that act was basically creating quality benchmarks for ambulatory care uh, clinics. So there's two tracks that they could do in this quality payment program. And it's pretty much all based on patient outcomes and performance. So if their patients are outside of their A1C goal, These physicians are going to get dinged, you know, come two years down the line when CMS starts looking at their data and they're saying, I mean, you've been seeing this patient for, you know, four years and their A1C is still outside of where we want it to be, Right. you know, what gives? And I think having the pharmacist there to step in and ask some different questions of the patient and, you know, be able to spend more time with them talking about, you know, is it lack of adherence or is it, uh, you know, is it diet? Is it exercise? Is it other medications interacting and playing a role with this? There's so many opportunities, I think, because pharmacists are, we're trained in a completely different way. I like to say that physicians are really trained to diagnose And pharmacists are trained to manage, you know, manage these chronic conditions. And so some of my clients now are working with collaborative physicians in these collaborative business agreements, collaborative practice agreements to be able to offer chronic care and remote physiologic monitoring services remotely for these for their local collaborative physicians and it's really it's been a win-win because pharmacists even though we don't have provider status we have these opportunities to make an impact on patient outcome which translates to hundreds of thousands of dollars for the clinic down the line when you look at quality <clears throat> benchmarks so
0: it's like the yeah it's like the the Zig Ziglar quote where um you can have everything you want in life if you help other people get what they want. Exactly. And it's, I don't think he was talking about healthcare or medicine, but, you know, I, I think for the pharmacy, their value really lies and that exactly, that, that win-win scenario. But I I feel like the pharmacists have been somewhat um, like in a, in a silo. They're doing these amazing things and not Um, communicating that or, or passing that with the other members of the equation. So, you know, how do you, how do you increase that communication? How do you get that buy-in from a physician where it's like, Hey, you're trying to reach these goals. You're getting pinged on this. That's exactly what I can help with. Um, You know, how, how do you start that collaboration?
1: Yeah, so this was really, you know, what we were going to focus on for this, converting these free consultations into clients, whether your client, your potential client is a patient who may be interested in your functional medicine program, or a physician, a local physician that you want to go talk to about a collaborative, you know, remote patient monitoring program. But getting... Getting comfortable with selling, and just by knowing a few of the frameworks that we talk about for selling, um, can really help you to n- not necessarily persuade, but just to help other people get what they want. And you can also, you know, be able to be, a, you know, grow your revenue and and grow your clinical services and really generate demand for pharmacist-led services in this way, just by knowing how to talk to people about, you know, about their needs. So there's there's four A's that we teach in the Pharmapreneur Academy, which is you, you know, you start with asking. You just ask, what, you know, what are you struggling with? What what kind of results are you looking to get? Um, if you're talking with a patient, what are your health goals? If you're talking with a physician, what quality metrics are you reporting on this year? just trying to figure out their pain points. And then, you know, assessing, is there a way I can maybe help this person before um, agreeing upon what the service could actually look like, what that program would actually look like, and then finally accepting and making an offer for that arrangement. So I think most of the time, we want we think selling, because it's such a subtle art, um, we think selling is going in and handing someone a flyer and waiting for them to call us back or like doing your pitch and expecting to get you know your phone blowing up. And it's it's really more about relationship building and creating a customized program for the clients you're working with so that they can feel like their needs are priority number one.
0: So do you have like a um, any tips for like preparing that conversation? So you know if I have a fantastic pharmacy software in my pharmacy that allows me to run you know great reports, you know, is that something that you would do ahead of time is maybe look at that prescriber, in your system, see what kind of medications. See what kind of uh, are there trends with therapeutic classes or or disease states that you could really kind of bring those tailored solutions on step one, or do you kind of put that later in line?
1: Yeah, so that might be like a great just icebreaker kind of question for for that physician. To call them and say, hey, I've got this fantastic pharmacy software. I can run a report on pretty much anything that you could possibly want. What what are some challenges that you guys are dealing with? You know, it may be, it may not be with managing diabetic patients. Maybe it's, um, it's with COPD patients. And you can really isolate and run reports for people who would be a good fit. So... You know, you can imagine if you could run a report that shows a physician what patients they have, what uh, medications they're on, that they're outside of goal, but then you could offer that physician a, a collaborative opportunity to where your pharmacy is helping them manage this patient's care, get their get their, uh, you know, COPD or diabetes or whatever it is under control, and they can get paid additionally for this service, that's what chronic care management is, and it's a 20-minute non-face-to-face clinical service once a month. You get reimbursed. I think average national reimbursement is around $42. It has to be billed through the physician's MPI, and it has to be um, consented by the patient so they have to sign consent that they're interested in this service but when you think about it if you have a med sync program you probably already are calling these people and spending 20 minutes a month working on their medicines so to me that it's just a win-win situation that hey pharmacists are already doing this and then you get a collaborative provider on board and you can get this patient the outcomes that they're interested in, you know, by asking what their quality metrics are. You create a, a, you know, a plan, a customized calendar that your pharmacy, you know, even technicians can be involved in this, calling the patient, just getting set up for prior authorizations and refills. All of that counts mm. as dedicated clinical staff time. And being able to capture that time and record it and document it in an e-care plan, you just do that, send that e-care plan packet to the provider's office, they put it in their chart, sign off on it, that goes to billing, and then, you know, they get reimbursed for something that essentially they didn't even really have to have a hand in, you know, just overseeing the program. So. CMS, uh, they call this uh, um, general supervision. So it means a subcontracted pharmacist, clinical pharmacist, or really a subcontracted clinical staff member could be anyone, um, but pharmacists obviously are my choice for, <laughs> for this type of program to be able to capture the time that they're spending working on that patient's care. And, you know, to be able to get reimbursed for it, it's, it's a huge opportunity for pharmacists. And then you throw in the remote physiologic monitoring where we can look at blood glucose digitally uploaded uh, in real time. We can look at uh, digital weight. I mean, you can monitor people's if they've got more than two plus weight gain each day. You get an alert. You see that in your software I mean, there's so many opportunities for pharmacists to really get creative and start thinking out of the box about like what you could do uh, with a collaborative physician.
0: Okay, so I hope I didn't... Roll too many of the other A's into that answer because you you said there were four A's and I think we made it through one. <laughs> so what's the what's no, the next day? <laughs> no, no, no,
1: that, that was so. Ask would be number one, and then uh, assess would be number two, and then agree would be number three, and then accept would be number four. So we did kind of do okay, all those with them, asking about their pain points, assessing how you could potentially work with them agreeing on something that would be mutually beneficial to you both and to your patients, and then finally accepting and putting together a legal document that solidifies the partnership and makes sure there's no gray areas in whose scope of practice ends where and and what a pharmacist can legally do in that situation.
0: Nice. So one of the things that you mentioned earlier was um, kind of how the roles have shifted in a physician's office and there are positions there, um, that you mentioned weren't there before. Do you see like a shift in the roles within a pharmacy? I know, uh, the, the role of a technician varies night and day from one pharmacy to another. Um, it's such a broad scope of responsibility. And then we see, you know, there are pharmacists out there like, um, you know, Amina, uh, I've seen her speak a couple times on how to better utilize her technicians. I mean, you you have to wonder sometime if maybe there's an opportunity there for like a more advanced role between the technician and the pharmacist,
1: yeah, absolutely. So I think Amina's actually employed some um nurses, I believe, as well. and and just, thinking i mean thinking outside the box she does such a great job in really thinking about how to put her team members in the best possible places for not only their success but but the overall success as the as a business i mean she's their model is just fantastic in terms of leadership and what i'm seeing now with Uh, more tech, check, tech programs, and even techs being able to administer vaccinations, what I see the opportunity coming up there is for pharmacists to finally be able to have the time to do more clinical services. So, for example, um, I just helped, there was, uh, there's a regional chain, in the michigan area and we were putting together a drug-induced nutrient depletion program for them and just starting out very simply they were like well you know where do we even begin like begin at the counseling window Uh a patient comes up you're counseling them on maybe it's a statin maybe it's a birth control you're counseling them on this asking them about what types of vitamins and supplements they're taking. You know, you you have their medication list, but a lot of times we don't think about entering vitamins and supplements onto their patient profile. But, you know, really, if someone's on, uh, you know, on statin, they need to be on CoQ10, or if they're on birth control, they need to be on a B-complex vitamin. And so just... Being able to get comfortable just creating even a sales script that your front-end support staff members can use. The register people, hey, you know, I I see you're taking a statin. Do you need any more CoQ10? Are you out? I'd be happy to, to run and get you or sh- show you exactly what our pharmacist recommends. But if you want to have, you know, a more in-depth conversation with the pharmacist, we can set you up with a, an in-person consult and, or yeah. even a Zoom consult now. I guess
0: we just we actually just had a uh, a new feature come out this week that allows you to set the um, uh, the target point as the point of sale on like a specific care action. So, like a CoQ ten nutrient depletion situation. Hey, the best place to talk about that with the patient is when you're with the patient (laughs) um so it just makes sense to yeah take take advantage of that you know while they're right there at the counter but then also um you know it comes back to that win-win situation where you're providing a service that has great value to that patient you're going to help that patient feel better and yeah it's going to help your bottom line and that's not uh you know the 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 idea of providing the the best healthcare possible and running the strongest business possible are not mutually exclusive. So,
1: exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, I just using it an example. So we do like the ketogenic diet, intermittent fasting stuff, and uh, one of my friends was asking me about starting it, and so I guess she had started and was having a lot of muscle aches. And I was like, well, you, you do know that if you're going to be on one of these pretty strict diets that you need to have a very high quality vitamin supplement that you're taking. And she was like, nobody's ever told me that. And, um, I was like, well, you know, I think it's a good idea. That's probably what's causing some of your muscle issues and you're probably losing a lot of water. And she was like, but I can't take vitamins. They're, you know, they're too large. I can't swallow them. I'm like, well, you know, the pharmacy down the street has some really good high quality gummy vitamins. <laughs> can you can you eat a vitamin gummy? And even just something as simple as that, like she had never even considered that there were other options, or that if you're going to be on a diet that you needed to be supplementing with, you know, high quality vitamin supplements. So it was it was something that was causing her an issue and probably something that was affecting the outcomes of her weight loss but just that small shift and that little conversation created you know some trust there because what you know just some simple tips that i gave her that wasn't anything earth shattering or like that i needed a residency to figure out just you know, those little changes that we can make, those little baby steps we can help our patients do will lead them to that be the healthiest versions of themselves that they can be. So if you think about it like that, you're not thinking about it from a terms that like selling is bad. Selling only feels bad. It only feels yucky if you're trying to sell something to someone that they don't want it. So that's why we teach the four A's to start with a question of like, what are you looking for? What are you struggling with? What have you tried before? You know, three very simple questions that you can use in your counseling or in any interaction that you have. And then, you know, if if their if their answer seems to be something that they might be interested, you can offer to have them make an appointment with you to come in and sit down and have that. You know, free consult or even a you know a a very low cost consult to figure out you know that that one little piece that can help them to kind of start their journey to the next step. So, uh, you know, I I even compare using vitamins and supplements and drug induced nutrient depletion stuff to the the gateway drug of, you know, really changing your nutrition, changing your exercise, changing your health. You know, one of the things that I really see coming from this pandemic is uh, an increase in mental health issues, as well as low-grade chronic stress causing autoimmune-type issues. So, you know, I think all of us uh, can definitely feel that there's been some low-grade chronic stress happening throughout the past 12 sure, months. Sure, <laughs> and,
0: Yeah.
1: And really, you know, there's not anything you can take for low-grade ga- chronic stress. So um, things like meditation, walking, exercise, in addition to if we do need to put the patient on, um, you know, on something like an antidepressant or even something like a, a GABA or glutamate supplement that they can use to to help them calm down at night or a CBD tincture for helping with anxiety and sleep at bedtime. There's so many options and pharmacists in my mind, which I am biased, but pharmacists are really the best person to to ask because we we embrace those things. We embrace the the herbal um the you know more allopathic uh and holistic methods being able to combine them because i think we understand the body's biochemistry and physiology at a cellular level that we can say yes that's a that could be a good option for you
0: or no
1: that might be something you want to stay away from yeah
0: and mental health especially i think there's there's a stigma that you know as a patient I don't know that every patient is going to be as comfortable reaching out to like a mental health professional or, you know, even having a conversation like that with their doctor that they see, you know, every so often. Uh, Whereas, you know, a pharmacist that says, how are you feeling this month? Uh, May You know, you may just open a floodgate there and... And, and have a much different outcome. Like you said, we're just over-the-counter items. It doesn't have to be a prescription, which, again, I think there's definitely a, a stigma between, like, you know, going to pick up the, that first prescription of Prozac or, you know, there there's definitely a a, a, a hurdle there that, um, again, a lot, of, a lot of times doesn't need to be taken anyway. So the, the pharmacist may have other creative solutions for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think patients are looking for that now. You know, they're really looking for non-pharmacological interventions. Um, People ask me all the time about my meditation practice and what I'm taking, like as far as CBD or vitamins and supplements, the way I eat, the, the way I exercise. People are constantly asking me those things because I am pretty open and sharing about that stuff. On my social media and that's something that I think pharmacists could could also leverage and and start thinking about like where where are the opportunities that that we can talk more about what's working for us as a person you know our Mm -hmm. patients are just people we are just people doctors are just people and talking about you know your what's working for you what you like and what you don't like I mean for me When I started, I kind of started this uh, genetic consulting business just to see how it would go back in 2018, because I tested myself. Um, I did a nutrigenomic test panel, and I found out that I can't methylate folic acid or B12. So if I was taking a B vitamin, which I was when I was pregnant with uh, my son and my daughter, my son was actually born with a pretty deep sacral dimple that was almost an open neural tube. And I thought, oh, that's so weird. Like I, I, you know, took my prenatal vitamins, I took my folic acid religiously, but then from, you know, my, my background in pharmacy, I knew that some people couldn't methylate folic acid. And when I, I did that test, I really saw that I wasn't, I wasn't getting any of the folic acid or any of the B twelve that I needed. So I talked about that on my social media, and then people just started uh, really asking me for for help with uh, looking at their genetic test results and even stuff that I don't do, like the twenty three andMe ancestry DNA stuff. I'm like I, I don't really know much about that, but. <laughs> I mean, I can look at the health stuff because what was really interesting to me was when I did one of those health DNA profiles, it showed that I had increased uh, increased risk of Alzheimer's, which my paternal grandmother died from, and increased risk of Parkinson's disease, which my maternal grandmother actually has. And so mm-hmm. doing some research, because I got to get to the bottom of this, figure out what's going on actually um, not being able to methylate folic acid in B12 causes a rise in homocysteine in the blood. And homocysteine is uh, it is correlated with inflammation at the cellular level, specifically the heart level. So it causes cardiovascular disease and neurological disease. So when I found that out, and I think there might be a chance I can avoid getting Alzheimer's and Parkinson's when I'm in my seventies, I'm going to do it, you know? And, and so I, I really, I talk about that stuff a lot and it's for me, patients are now coming to me and it's generated demand. And I I don't even offer this as a clinical (laughs) service. I'm like, telling the local pharmacies, can you guys please put this service just so I can refer people to you? Because I don't have time to do this anymore.
0: Yeah, it's so funny how social media has kind of changed over, I don't know, the past few years, like a, a Facebook page now, like I guess my first social media was MySpace and that seemed like a very kind of like small, it was just you and your friends a little bit. I guess there are some influencers, we didn't call them that back then, but um, but, yeah, it, but it's Tom. interesting. <laughs> hey Tom. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's interesting how, like, I don't know, there, there seemed to be this thing in the, in the nineties and, and, and the eighties where like, if you were a business owner, you wanted to look bigger than you are. You wanted to look corporate because that meant that you were, um, you know, established that you were trustworthy, that you were the real deal. And, and it's, it's funny. It's with social media, it's very much kind of push that backwards. I think where big corporations try to act like they're small. Um, and they, you know, they, they can't win it at that when, uh, you know, there, there's a few pharmacists that I, that I have on my Facebook that I see them post videos from in their pharmacy talking about, you know, whatever's on their mind. And, and it's, always like really helpful, like recommendations with, um, you know, different over-the-counter supplements or just, you know, updates on, hey, here's what's going on with COVID and, and our area. And it, it's neat to take advantage of that, that um, personal connection.
1: What I really see, you know, and I'm a, I'm a millennial. So what I really see the, the future of pharmacy practice being is in convenience, and then customization, because people want personalized services for them. They want personalized recommendations and customized programs to help them with their individual situations. And then convenience. Uh, you know, the more things that you can do, adherence, packaging, and delivery services. And you know, we're really going to have to to be able to do that to compete with the the Amazons and, you know, those types of people that are getting into the pharmacy space because um, I think that that level of customization helps differentiate, but you still need to be able to meet the, you know, the minimum bar for convenience and uh, being able to do that. I think when I see pharmacies do that, you know, some of my clients, they're the ones that are just running away with these opportunities because they are getting contacted by uh, the providers. They are getting contacted by patients. They're the ones that are really, you know, what what I say, uh, thinking like a pharmapreneur, they're making themselves the person to call, the pharmacist to call in their area. And that's generating demand so that they're not feeling like they constantly have to push a boulder up a hill when it comes to marketing. It really starts flowing um, in, in a much more organic way.
0: Yeah. So we're winding down on time, but I definitely want to make sure that we talk a little bit about the Pharmapreneur Academy and just make sure people know how to get in touch with you because you do offer a lot of services that are going to help these pharmacies kind of get the ball rolling with some of these things we talked about, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have, so we have different tiers for people. The beginner's business blueprint is for someone who's like I was in 2014, never done an MTM, you know, never worked with a physician, never done um, a genetic test or anything. It gives you a framework for, do I want to work in a physician's office? Do I want to offer these services in my pharmacy or do I want to focus primarily on cash-paying services? And there is some overlap there, but it just helps you to kind of put your blinders on because it can be overwhelming. I mean, I don't know how many different types of clinical services we've talked on this call, but I think I've written down a list of about 40 different ones, you know, at some point. And so the opportunities are, are really great for pharmacists who have the the infrastructure and are really ready to step into integrated uh you know clinical services into their workflow so the beginner's business blueprint really helps to build that foundation. Then we have the advanced learning lessons within the pharmapreneur academy that teaches you so I used a lot of Uh, technical language when I was talking about MACRA and MIPS and the Quality Payment Program and chronic care management and remote patient monitoring, we explain those In if you've never heard those words before, we explain those in excruciatingly technical details so that you can understand and be able to talk about it with confidence and not say, well, there's this thing I've heard before, you know, maybe we could do this. So it gives you the resources that you need without having to sit through, you know, 15 hours worth of webinars. You, it really is meant for you to just go and watch a little chunk when you need it. And I compare it to like the Netflix of pharmacy. <laughs> you just go watch a little piece here, watch a little piece there, take what you need, put it all together.
0: You call it like Netflix and Phil?
1: Yes. Oh, I like it. I like it. We could do like a whole logo. That's Perfect. And and you know that I think that level of support because we also have forums within the community. So if you do get stuck, you can ask me, you can ask Tara. She works in a physician's office in South Florida. You can ask Thea. She does remote patient monitoring for a collaborative physician in Pennsylvania. You can ask Kimber or Jerika or Jared we're building out a whole community of consultants who are experts in these various clinical services and what's exciting and what we have coming up is our annual elevate pharmacy summit. So that's two days where I basically will walk you through our entire system for creating these clinical services and creating demand for your clinical services, because that's, a lot of times the the most difficult part is you have the clinical training that you need uh, you know pharmacists I think we are so underutilized but we have so much knowledge that we can we can offer to our patients. We're just we just need to figure out how to package it kind of in a new way. And that's what the Elevate Pharmacy Summit um the focus is of it. So it's a two day event April 9th and 10th. That's a Friday and a Saturday uh, coming up here in about three and a half weeks. And the theme is really to you know think about the impact that you want to have on your community and figure out how to put that together so that And you are generating demand for these services and positioning them in a way that makes patients, payers, and providers come to you and want to work with you.
0: And you always have a really all-star lineup on that, too. I always always enjoy going to uh, watch those and look at your lineup and see who you have speaking because it's always like – you know, if I, I joke a lot, and I say like, if you if, if we had pharmacist baseball cards, <laughs> like those would be the uh, you know the ones you keep in the case, man. That's those are always just really really great to watch. So, I know it's going to be a great event. Uh, looking forward to seeing that. Looking really looking forward to getting out and going to live events. And right now, um, you know, the virtual events are. I, I feel like you've probably been doing the virtual events for a little bit longer than a lot of the other uh, folks out there so yeah I I feel like you've gotten it down pretty uh pretty well and those are always uh very enjoyable so very informative as, as well so I'm gonna let you get back to work thank you so much for joining us and I'll see you here uh hopefully before too long we'll have you come back
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I get to see everyone in person and, and present on the RX stage again. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. So thank you for having me on the podcast. It's been fun.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer Rx on your preferred social media platform.